welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Our desire at Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to our guest minister for today. Good morning, beloved church. This is awesome. Uh, we don't deserve this. Uh, I think Steve's uh, uh, explanation when we first met, I think that's what heaven's going to be like. I don't know if we're going to be taking selfies in heaven, but I think we're all going to be amazed when we get to heaven. Uh, everything's going to be you know, made new. Everything's going to be uncovered. There are things that uh, you know, all know that I sued the governor. You, you see what we're doing, but I know there are things that every one of you have done and are doing that you know, maybe no one knows. And I believe that's going to be, you know, open Amen. in heaven, and, and it's going to be amazing. So, <laughs> Darren Bailey, my wonderful wife Cindy, we've been married for 35 years. We are blessed. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if uh, I've got to know Steve good enough. I was trying to figure out if he was messing with me because about two weeks ago, when all this showed up on my calendar. I'm looking at it, and it says, Beloved Pastor Steve Castle. And I'm like, did he, did he tell to my calendar person, what is this? And I'm really kind of into that. Guy, you know, he's a little laundry, but he's a humble guy, Beloved Pastor. And anyway, I show up here, and I'm like, ah, I get it. I did not know the name of your church. I'm sorry. So... I really was. I wonder every day when I'm looking at the calendar, I'm like, that honorary guy. So, <laughs> guys, it's an amazing thing to be an American uh, today with the adversity that we're facing. Proverbs 28.2 tells us that when there is moral rot in a nation, it gover- its government topples easily, but wise and knowledgeable leaders bring stability. And I'm here to tell you, I've been reading through the Bible officially. Uh, for for a little over twenty years now, I, I just I do not miss a day. I've got and, and I'm stuck on the one year Bible. There's nothing really scientific. I've tried to to get in deep and and about twenty years ago, after a Father's Day uh, uh, retreat at our church, and I realized that of all the elders that I had such great respect for, when the question was asked. How many times have you read the Bible through? And only two of the men in our entire church, and we had a pretty large congregation, raised their hand that they had read the Bible through. I'm like, oh, well, then the, the, the question was, how many times had you read the Bible through? And these were gentlemen's, uh, gentlemen well into their 70s, and, and uh, the winner had read the Bible through twice. And I have no idea. Now, I was young enough, I hadn't read the Bible through because it didn't really pertain to me because obviously I can wait till I'm 60 and 70 to do this, right? That's my mindset. But to the men that I respected so greatly, when I realized, because I knew, I think we all know in our heart what our obligation uh, to our Lord and Savior is, and obviously it's not going to work if we don't know Him. And the only way to know Him is to know the Word. So um, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. I just committed myself to uh, getting the Word. And so for the next several years, I tried. I'd started Genesis and, you know, the First and Second Chronicles. You'd kind of lose track of things and <laughs> set aside for a while. And, and, um, and then eventually I found the one-year Bible and I've read most of the uh, translations and, and uh, I'm just, I'm stuck on it. So I encourage you, if that's something, you read a little bit of the Old Testament, you read a little bit of the New Testament, 
Uh, you read some Psalms and Proverbs every day. You end up reading those twice throughout the year. And it's amazing. If, if you literally, and I'll be honest with you, the first several years that I read it, it was just a reading exercise, just so I could say I read the Bible. And you can literally read it through for, you know, your daily reading in about ten minutes just to read it and be done with it. <clears throat> but after a while, to just contemplate and to look up. And I can tell you today... 20 years later, with now, uh, usually earlier, I'd read the Bibles and make notes in it, and I'd give them to my kids, and, and the Bible that I have now is pretty, I'm, I'm due to get a new one, but I know that I've read through it at least for the last five years, and to this day, I have several regular Bibles and study guides on my desk, because I'm here to tell you there are things that I read today that I'm like, I didn't ever see that before. And, and I know that I've had this Bible for five years, but I have to go back sometimes and look in the in my one of my standby by my regular Bibles to make sure that's actually in there. And, and, and Proverbs twenty eight two. I've known that for a while. And here, uh, one of the churches we we were invited to speak at a church a, a couple months ago, and I actually wasn't even invited to speak. Uh, they just we we'd love to come and worship. That's all we we just every Sunday we're in a different church somewhere in the state of Illinois, and just being a part of the worship is uh, is all we ask for. We show up at the church service, and and uh, the gentleman that the, the preacher pastor of the church says, "I want you to speak." Totally, he said, "I've done my research on you." Kind of the same testimony that Pastor Steve gave, and it was pretty amazing. But what was really cool was that particular morning, uh, I discovered Psalms twenty nine two. You know, Psalms 28-2 that I've been... Uh, Psalms 29-2. When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. So that's how God works in our lives. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, Cindy and I both have grown up in the church about three and a half hours south of here. Has anybody ever been to Effingham, Illinois? All right, good for you guys. I okay. usually ask if you just know where it's at, and well, yeah, they pass it on the interstate, but I always like to ask if you've actually been now. So 30 minutes south on Route 45 is a little community called Louisville, spelt like Louisville, Kentucky, and that's where I've been, that's where I've lived all of my life, born, raised, went to school, went to church, and, and um, life is good there. And uh, we, um, our journey, our journey began uh, at our freshman year in high school in 1980, my uh, my dad was president of the North Clay School Board, and and our high school I was in eighth grade, and our high school needed a, a principal, and uh, her dad was hired to be our uh, principal. And that summer, we met at Oil Belt Christian Service Camp in Flora, uh, locked eyes, and we've been together ever since. So she's kind of got the spiritual uh, the spiritual fortitude about her. I, I, it's taken me years, but I've learned finally to kind of, if she says something, I pay attention to it and kind of... Yeah. It's, I'm serious. It's a, if we weren't both raised in the church and, and just grounded, I don't know how many times we'd been divorced by now, and I do mean that, because you've, you've got to have that commitment to stick together. And, and early on, man, I just, I just, you know, she didn't know what she's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. And, and it is by the grace of God that uh, we're still together just because of some of the stupid stuff and the arguments that, and the pride that, that I've had in my life. But uh, no, nah, she, uh, 
her mom and dad were originally from Louisville, and they still subscribed to the local paper. And, and uh, her uncle was my math teacher in eighth grade. And he kind of told me, he said, I got a, a niece that kind of thinks you're something. She circled your name in the, uh, you know, when the, when the graduating classes come out and they have the, the paper. So, so she pursued me. I was at the little carpet ball thing, playing carpet ball. I had a girlfriend with me when I was in eighth grade at, at, at church camp. And uh, she made it to, uh, when, uh, when school started three months later. Uh, I was uh, I, I began pursuing her, so life is good. So we've um, went to graduated North Clay, went to a two years, the same thing. I was getting on a tractor to rake hay. Uh, literally the day before our local community college was getting ready to start. And that's, I just wanted to work. I love farming. That's all I want to do. And uh, she was headed to Lakeland College in Mattoon to study dental hygiene. And my dad just came out. My mom and dad were just begging me to go to college. And I just, I'm done. I want to work. Leave me alone. And, uh, I literally, literally had one foot up getting ready to pull myself into the tractor and dad pulled up and he just, he just begged me, he said, just please go to school. Just, just go to college. I never had the opportunity. I just, and I'm like, all right. I'll, so, so literally he said, just go up there and if you don't like it, come back home. It's all right. And, uh, so mom and I loaded up. We went to Matt Toon and I, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like the whole time just nauseated, like I'm done with school. But, but I discovered and I realized that, uh, well, you know, two more years and getting to see Cindy at school every day, it can't be that bad. So, so I went to, uh, went to Lakeland and took all the transfer classes, but I knew I wasn't going to transfer. And, and two years later, uh, after we graduated, uh, we were married. Uh, we have four children. We've been, that was 1986. We've been married for 35 years. We have four children. We have 11 grandchildren. And uh, our three sons work on the farm. We have Bailey Family Farm. I'm so blessed. That's our, that's our, uh, logo up there. So. We, um, <clears throat> We were challenged a few years ago to market our farm, and I don't like, regardless of suing the governor, standing up, and everybody, you know, accuses me of grandstanding. I just, I just do what's right, and um, we marketed our farm. And the seed company said, "You need to start putting field signs out at your field." You know, like you see here, you see the, you see seed corn companies. You don't necessarily see, you know, the farmers' names. And they said, you guys are doing a bang-up job. You need to start marketing yourself. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's, no, I don't, just don't do stuff like that. But anyway, God kind of pricked our heart. I and our sons, we sat down and we came up with that logo. You know, it's just, that's the B for the Bailey. And, and interestingly enough, after we developed the logo, it's been pretty awesome because we do a good job farming and, and people see our signs now and they, and now they'll come to us, you know, when their landlord quits or when they decide to retire and they want us to farm their ground. It, it's awesome. Uh, but but early on, I had people tell me, and it's the same thing with politics, and it's the same thing with your life here today when you walk out these doors with what you do with it. People are going to tell you, well, what you got the cross up there for? You, 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 you're, trying to, you're trying to show off and tell everybody you're a Christian. What are you going to do when your semi you know, throws a rock through somebody's window and, and it'll cut someone off? You're going to make Jesus look bad. And that's why I told people, I said, that cross is not for you. It's not for me. It's for me. For every time that I drive into my farm and I see that, I'm reminded that that comes first. I need that. So, you know, we'll be on our best behavior. We'll do the best we can. But I want to make sure that you understand that. And that's why I've been so bold on this journey with politics. Because this is Cindy and I's mission field right now. This is becoming your mission field. This is Steve's mission field. We have got to take our government back with those first two verses that I shared with you. So, so anyway... Um, yeah, I, I didn't even see that up there to right now, so didn't mean to go off on that one. But um, 
life's good. Uh, we're, 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 we're proud. Our, our three sons uh, farm, Bailey Family Farm. We farm 12,000 acres, corn, soybeans, and wheat. We have a trucking company. We have an excavating business. Uh, earlier years, mid-2000s, after I got out of college, I had helped build our farm up to 30,000 acres, and uh, it was awesome. So I thought, remember the story, the part about the, how many times we could have, should have been divorced for, for, for the first 15 years of our marriage. I had my wife kind of sitting there shaking me, saying, this is not the way we're supposed to be living. Because there were days, sometimes weeks, that I wouldn't see Cindy or the kids. I'd, I'd get up at you know, 4 or 5 in the morning and go to the farm, and I'd get back at uh, you know, 10, 11 at night. Everybody would still be in bed. And, and oh, I'd still go to church. I'd be at church at our early 7 o'clock morning service and clock in thinking about farming the whole time and even, even you know, was in leadership for a time at that. But I began to realize that uh, I don't think this is what life's about, and and I and I was uh, had her tugging at me and warning me for quite some time, and and then and then there it was uh, about the fourth year that I was reading my Bible in 2006 all the way through uh, Proverbs 23:4. You know, quit trying to. Um, but trying to get work, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Learn when to be content. And that was the time when things were getting kind of heated up at home and God just smacked me. That's the first time that I really remember him smacking me around. And, and, uh, and then I, you know, just uh, we had committed ourselves to a time of prayer and fasting after that. And I went to my dad and I said, hey, after December, I'm out of here. I'm going to take my acres and my stuff and, and I'm just going to scale down and, and uh, i got to live for the Lord because this isn't working. It's fun. It's fun. You're accumulating. You're building for the future. You know what's life all about? Just, okay. just getting stuff so we can retire happily. <clears throat> no, no. Life is about building the kingdom at whatever cost that comes. So that's where we're at. So anyway, um, we uh, we did that. Backed off. The, the kids were still in school, and um, um, life's uh, life's been good. It's been a journey. We've uh, we've we've unhitched many times and and, and restarted, and uh, didn't really know for sure what our journey was. But I can tell you, I can tell you right now. Whenever I uh, and in and, and 2017, just by a complete fluke, and I have no desire. I have, I have no desire to serve in politics. I don't want to be a politician. What do politicians do? They lie, they cheat, and they steal. And, and, I, and I'm tired of it. And they make careers out of it. That has got to end. But uh, but no, I um, 2017. Um, we were celebrating her birthday, and, and we were actually supposed to be on a, on a social media fast, our cell phones. We had agreed we had our whole family together. And um, one morning, I accidentally picked my phone up out of habit. She called me on it. I just said, let me wish my Facebook friends happy birthday. And I had 500 Facebook friends at the time. There was probably one or two people. And I don't know why. That's crazy. If any of you hear them, I love getting on every morning and finding out whose birthday it is and just celebrating with them. And she agreed. So when I got on Facebook, I saw that the Illinois General Assembly uh, was uh, was convening over the July 4th weekend. Her birthday's on July 4th, and this was June 28th of 2017. And that intrigued me. And I, of course, I said something to her about it. I got her intrigued, and that way I had permission to you know, <laughs> go, go a little deeper. <laughs> Friends, don't break fast. It gets you in trouble. <laughs> so we're here today. Um, so the general, I didn't know much about politics. Fourteen years earlier, she and I had helped our state representative uh, get in power. And, and I just uh, thought, well, what's this all about? So I start because any time government convenes over the uh, a national holiday especially, or a holiday or a weekend, you know something bad's going down. And sure enough, I found out they were uh, uh, looking at a budget. 
Uh, the 2018 budget raised our taxes 32%. My state representative and senator both supported that measure. And I then re-engaged, hadn't talked to either of them for probably at least eight years. And I called them. They both answered the phone, especially my rep, my representative. He's the one I engaged in the most. And I said, what's going on? we got to have a budget. Haven't you been paying attention? We've been without a budget for two years. And Yeah, but the stuff that I'm reading tells me that... Uh, you know, we don't. Uh, this this budget's going to raise our taxes, and there's nothing else good in it. Tell me something good. Well, he couldn't, and uh, sure enough, the, everything everything passed. The budget passed. Our taxes went up 32 percent. And I simply started sh- was sharing this whole time. Started sharing this information as what I was learning. I was sharing on Facebook, and my 500 friends in about a week and a half turned into 3,000 friends. It was just exponentially. People were hungry. They didn't know. I didn't know. It's kind of the same way today. That's why we keep. Going because we're sharing what we're knowing. We don't know, and we've got to. You've got to every day. We've got to remind ourselves what and why every day. And so, you know, I ended up uh, telling uh, the people in our community began to come to us and say, "Why don't you represent us?" And that's when I knew that uh, I'd try my best to never break a fast again because I knew I was in trouble. Because if you're going to stand up, you're going to gripe. You better have a solution and be ready to put your money where your mouth is. So that's exactly where we found ourselves. We uh, we prayed and fasted for ten days with our family and our church and and Cindy again. She knew she knew that this was our journey. I had had the opportunity about six years earlier. A good friend who's still a state representative showed up at my farm, and uh, it's, we're, we're, it's kind of an awkward visit. We're sitting there. I'm like, "Why are you here?" And he's like, "Well, I want to talk to you about running for state representative." And I'm I, I, I did. I stood up and I said to Brad. I said, I love you to death. I said, you're invited to my farm and my house at any time. Don't you ever insult me by asking me to be a politician. So, but, you know, I came home and told Cindy about that. She's like, Darren, I think that, you think we need to look at it. We need to pray about it. I'm like, no, not me. So, uh, so God's awesome. If you're obedient to him, he'll give you time. He will forgive your lapses and he can still bring you around. So I know, I know you guys know that here. But anyway, at the time we prayed, we fasted for 10 days. I knew the whole time, I knew that God wanted us in this journey. I call it the Jonah Syndrome. I mean, that's literally what he was telling me the whole time. Go ahead. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. I will give it to someone else. And um, anyway, we, uh, September 12th of 2017, I called my state representative and I said, Sir, I'm, I'm going to be primarying you. And, and, uh, and, and he just immediately went into the defense mode that, Hey, Darren, listen, no one knows who you are. I, they, they, and he was. He's a great guy. He said, I, "I, you know, they're going to forget this, and and just, uh, you know, just just forget about it, and and things will be better from here on out." And I said, "Well, I believe in accountability, and you need to be held accountable, and I'm not going to let the people forget." And I'm going to tell you something: for the next eight months, when we were on stage together, when we, every, you know, what the message was, he he raised your taxes because you know what, people do forget. We've got a year. I guarantee you there's someone thinking that somebody's, we're going to forget all this bad stuff that we've been through. So don't forget. It's the same. And like I said, this all pulls into the message. You know, how many times have we seen, seen John 3.16? It's just like, ah, what's that mean? Don't forget. Don't forget every day we have to remind ourselves. So anyway... Uh, the Illinois Republican Party dumped $1.5 million into this guy's campaign in the most conservative district in the state and the nation. We worked our tails off. We ended up winning 60-40. And, uh, and, and two years, I was going to term limit myself. I'm going to term limit myself for 10 years, and then I'm, I do my, do my duty and go back to the family, go back to the farm. The boys, we sat down with their family. Uh, they were all... Um, 
They said, yeah, we can, we can handle this. The wives, they were the main ones because they knew what life was like. And, and I just I said, I want to make sure you guys are good with this. And, and they were, so uh, it's, it's been pretty good. So, um, yeah, two years later, all this journey happened. Uh, I've been standing up in the state house pushing back, probably more against our own people than, uh, than a lot of the fight takes place in caucus when the Republican House, house gets together and it's all behind closed doors and you start seeing all these people, you know, I'm going to vote for recreational marijuana, I'm going to vote for, uh, for a tax increase, I'm going to vote to double your gas taxes. And I'm like, I don't think Republicans are supposed to be doing this. And uh, so most of the fight takes place there. That's why there's not a unified direction with me because they know that Darren's going to be transparent and hold us accountable. And, and many, people, uh, many people don't want that. So sued the governor. Juan got, got to kicked out of session for standing up against the mask mandate. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, that mask mandate. I want to explain something to you in Springfield. Um, and I'm totally going off script here. I've gone to, Cindy's going to kind of fill in the middle here in a little bit. But thanks for rolling. And I'm just like, I'm going to let her close this out. I'm sorry about that because I've skipped the middle part that I want her to explain. Um, the morning that we got together... Uh, in, in, in special session, uh, the House used $150,000 per day for about six days of your tax money to rent uh, the Boss Center, Bank of Springfield, so that we could be social distance. And indeed, the desks in there were 12 feet apart. I stepped them off. I've got it on video and everything. And um, so we show up to special session, and immediately, before we even gaveled in, Mike Madigan himself was sitting over with his mask off, and, and half the, over half the people didn't have their masks on. And I was challenged by one of the, 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 the current speaker now, uh, Representative Bailey, we need to put your mask on. And uh, I said, I, so I came up to the podium, I said, well, no, I, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I said, I, I explained it, I thought it made a lot of sense, but it didn't make any sense to them, unfortunately. But I said, our desks are 12 feet apart, I said, I... I think it's nonsense, but maybe you've read the CDC stuff anyway, and this says six foot, and at that point in time, they were talking about three foot was good enough. So I even said, you know, if I get up and go to the restroom, if I get up and, and get something to eat, or if someone comes to my desk, I'll put my mask on out of respect. I'll do that. But we're going to sit here for 20 hours. All we're going to do is create more devastation for Illinois. So we have no, we don't need to be wearing our masks. So, so the House then went in, changed the rules. That went down party lines. And then the question came again. And I love the question that was asked. Representative Bailey, are you going to comply? And at that point in time, even still, a third of the members in the House did not, were not sitting there wearing their masks. I was just, I was the one pointed out because I had been standing up so vocal against the system with Steve months before that. So I said, no, I'm not going to comply. I, I, uh, and then, so then they began to take a vote to expel me because I wasn't abiding by now the new House rules. There were four to six other men that were going to stick with me and stand up and walk out with me. If you remember, I was the only one. I hold no grievance against any of those. What I do want you to know and be reminded is how difficult it is to stand up and do the right thing. You guys face this every day when you're standing across the cash register at Casey's or somewhere. And you can tell that person on the other side is having a terrible day. And it's up to us to, to, to inject the little Jesus into him. But what's that person back behind me going to think, you know? There's cameras on me. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? So I just, I want you to know that, that I had men with me. We had prayed that morning at the place we were staying. We were ready. I said, am I doing the right thing? I don't want to make a mockery. I don't want to, but I just feel like we've got to stand. And when the time came, 
I was the only one. Everybody else, you know, complied. So just please understand the important. That's what's wrong with government, friends. That's what's wrong with our leaders get elected, and we've got to be there with them the entire time. The encouragement of patting them on the back, giving them encouragement, holding them accountable when they do something that we disagree with. That's uh, that's what's going on. So within that time, my state senator announced that he was going to uh, retire, and, and I, w- I started looking for someone to take his place, because I'm just going to serve 10 years in the House and go back home. And uh, at the time, the people in our area began to come, and, and the churches, and solicit us to uh, be our senator. You know, you can handle this. And, and so again, prayer and fasting, we did. And again, the establishment put someone up against me in the 55th Senate District. And this time we won by a margin of 86%. So it was was pretty awesome. So so then uh, in between then, you know, Cindy and I are being invited constantly to to Chicago, all over the state, to talk about, you know, to talk at these reopen rallies, reopen school rallies. And we're beginning to sense that, wow, there's something going on here. This is this is crazy. There was a day. There was a day in uh, um, August, September, and in, yeah. in the the, the uh, uh, Circle K gas station north of Champaign. We were headed to Chicago to speak at one of the events, and I was gassing my pump up, and I'm looking over at a few pumps. Or, Pass a, a gas pump, a few pumps as I'm pumping up, and I can see this lady eye eyeing me. And I, I can, I got enough sense to kind of tell this that man, I'm in trouble. I had my Bailey for Senate, you know, and fire printer <laughs> stuff on there, and, and I can just tell that something's hmm, not really right. Well, sure enough, she, I was hoping my gas pump would fill up first, but it didn't. She, this short little gal, she walks over to me and she looks up at me and she goes, "You, Darren Bailey." And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she gave me a, a, the biggest bear hug I think I've ever hug, had. And she said, I want to tell you something. She says, I'm returning home from Mississippi. I've been down there putting my mom in the nursing home. She said, Mayor Lightfoot has six executive secretaries. I'm one of them. And then she began to poke me in the chest and say, don't you dare think that everyone in Chicago thinks like I know you think they do. So... the beginning of something pretty cool. Before, you know, people were saying, you know, anytime you do, I'm sure you've been approached, hey, you need to run for office, you need to run for governor, you need to run for... Anytime you stand up and do something, people are going, you know, George Washington, be our general, you know, anytime you do something, people are going to tell you to do something. Well, we always need to commit that to prayer and fasting to, to, you know, to make sure that that we're right in that. And, and, And that's how I felt this whole governor thing was, I don't want to run for governor. I just I let me be the senator. I can be the backbone. I'm, I love I'm, being in the Senate now. I love it. Absolutely, I do. It's 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 it is awesome to be able to stand up to serve the people to push against the back of this nonsense. But let somebody else have that. But anyway, just through through a series of encouragement all over this state, uh, we began to realize she realized at first that uh, gosh, this might be where God wants us. And we prayed, we fasted with our with our now church across the state, and uh, we we agreed a little over a year ago. We we realized that uh, wow, this is this is a journey. I don't know, I don't know, but I can stand here today and I can tell you that Cindy and I and our team have never been more confident of victory. That uh, uh, God is going to do something amazing. In our world.
So I have taken this completely off script, and I apologize because I'm wound up and I didn't want to lose it. I'm going to let Cindy kind of fill in the, the school years, our daughter, what she does, and what Cindy's been a part of, because that's been, a, that's been an amazing, probably the actual foundation of our lives of being on the school board and such. So I'll let you take over. So we'll be clear. I, I will just tell a story real quick about this man whom I love with all of my heart, Solomon. So grateful to call him my husband and my best friend. And I, in this season of life, like he expressed, if any of you young moms especially, if you ever read books when you're raising your children by, you know, great Christian psychologists like Dr. Jim Dobson and Dr. Kevin Lehman, and I did. I was that mom. You know, I always wanted to do it right. And uh, anyway... um, he, Kevin Lehman wrote a book about birth order, and if any of you have ever read it, well, just telling you, you know, it breaks apart what, what each personality looks like, and um, typically, firstborns are not, if they do get married, they don't stay married, because they are so strong in their beliefs and in their uh, you know, just in their personalities. And here's the crazy thing about the Bailey household. Darren and I are both firstborns. <laughs> Out of our four children, all four of them, just because of the sex of and how they fell in the birth order, three out of our four children are all firstborn personalities as well. We only have one that is the is uh, our secondborn Cole, who is the most kind, thoughtful, melancholy personality. So anyway, um, that's that's the dynamics of our home, and it always has been. We're very passionate people. We are we have been very blessed in ways that I just am humbled at. Time and time again, at how God is so good to those of us who are called according to His purposes. I'm grateful that I grew up in a home that uh, my my mother loved the Lord, and our church was just a block down the way. My dad grew up in the church, but did not practice his faith, and so she was committed all those years to taking me and my brothers to church alone. And it wasn't until 22 years ago that my dad gave his life to Christ. And uh, so Darren and I are very fortunate that we were we grew up to know the Lord. Even our grandparents knew the Lord, and and we've just you know tremendous blessing, a wonderful heritage. And um, there's no better way than to walk with Him and walk in His ways. And I'm just humbled. To be able to serve in this capacity, um, I'm humbled to be serving alongside of my husband. I, like Darren mentioned, um, whenever we got married, I um, worked then after school as a dental hygienist for a couple of years, and I knew that was not my calling, but I also knew that Wanting to be a wife and to be a mother, I wanted to be able to financially support myself if that were ever to need to be the case. And so I knew I needed a career, something that I could do. Um, So that's why I pursued that. But 
two years after we got married, my mom, which I thought was cool when you shared that this building was a flower shop at one time, because my mother-in-law and I together bought uh, the flower and gift shop in our community from my mom, who had owned it for five years. So actually, I was a small business owner for over 20 years. And it was a wonderful livelihood um, out in the community while Darren's out on the farm. I'm in the community. Believe it or not, out of the two of us, I'm really the more social. <laughs> At one point, after he had been in Alaska on a hunting trip, he came home and asked me if I'd move out there. I'm like, are you kidding me? I would die. No. Absolutely not, because I love being around people. And so, but it also provided me a wonderful just uh, opportunity to not only be in the community, but to raise my kids. And I had a lot of flexibility. They were always at the flower shop with me. And so that's what I did for over 20 years. And he's farming. I'm running a small business. And then we. You know, we're serving in our church together, raising our kids together. And so with that being said, you know, this is the first time we both turned 55 this year that we have actually been able to serve together. And it's wonderful. It's just because we still like each other a lot. And <laughs> so that it's just great joy. It brings me great joy to sit here and to be at his side and to be able to let him talk as long as he wants to. Uh, because I do enjoy talking and I enjoy visiting people. People have said, Cindy, you ought to consider. I'm like, absolutely no. I have no way. Uh, first of all, I'd have to make sure that everything I said was accurate because sometimes I don't pay attention to every detail. And I would rather just, I would rather be and have been prophesied over that my place is to serve alongside of him and behind him, to encourage him, to strengthen him, to uh, especially, especially the encouragement as I've been an eyewitness to the past three years. Um, this great nation, being born on the 4th of July, I don't know. I mean, not that my parents intentionally did it, but I just love our country. And the 4th of July, I'm like, I must have thought it was all about me. I don't know. But I, I'm very patriotic, very patriotic. Unfortunately, no one in our families have served. And Darren has even said that, you know, we look at this season right now as our opportunity to be able to serve in our our people, you know, serve the people, not through uh, our armed services, but but through government. And um, so we're honored to be able to do that. And um, I'm just blessed to be here and, and to uh, fill in the gaps. The only the only piece that I, I would like to maybe add is what I thought was the biggest faith um, journey that I had personally ever been on was back seven years ago. It started a little before that, but um, the culmination of it, like Darren made mention, um, I thought that was the biggest thing that probably could ever happen in my in my faith 
uh, the growth of my faith. Little did I know, you know, here we are now. But uh, God always blesses obedience. Believe that. But um, like Darren mentioned, he had served on the school board for umpteen years while our children were there. Because we always believed, you know, we wanted to, we always, first time I went on a field trip as a, as a room mom, you know, I saw very quickly that not all children, their parents didn't have the same opportunities that the Bailey kids did. There were a lot of them that their parents couldn't go on field trips. Or maybe they didn't want to go on field trips. And um, just realized I could be effective, not only at our church by serving as a youth group teacher, and, but also to be just embedded into the school. And I often tease the secretaries that, oh, no, here comes Cindy again, you know, because I always volunteered and and was fortunate to be able to help establish a character building program in our school. And just the flexibility of, like I mentioned earlier, the flower shop, you know, I I was able to do all those awesome things and uh, be in the be in the school and while there and then was serving on school board. And so we love we love public school. We love children. The next generation has always been what our hearts have been about. Whether it's our own, now our grandchildren, just seeing these precious little ones that were up there with the flags melts my heart. Thank you for what you're doing to invest in the, the next generation. And isn't that what this is about? Raising, furthering the kingdom and growing it so that they know freedom just like we have. And so we, um, we like I said, very, very intentional that after Darren's time of service, our youngest was in eighth grade that year and just decided that, you know, it was time for him to step away from school board so that younger parents could get involved in leadership on the school board. Well, little did we know that Mason, our youngest, who's now 22 and a daddy of two and married to a a precious young lady, um, he came to us his eighth grade year in the in the uh, um, uh, fall or spring, and he said, he asked me if I would homeschool him through high school. And immediately, I'm like, what's wrong, Mason? What's going on? You know, and um, I'll be honest, uh, in southern Illinois, there's not many folks that do homeschooling, and if they do, a lot of times it's not done well. And uh, so I was very shocked at the idea and very intimidated by the responsibility of giving a high school student a quality education. And so, but I was also smart enough to know that as a mother of my fourth child versus my first not to just say absolutely no over my dead body, which is really what my mind was thinking. 
And so as a, a more mature mom, you know, I talked to Darren about it and we're like, okay, Mason, we will pray about this. You be a part of that, you know, for this last semester of your spring year of eighth grade. And to be honest with you, at the end of that, Darren and I were both still not convinced that that was the direction we wanted to take. So again, bringing to scripture about in 1 Timothy when it talks about the faith of a child. It was because of his faith that he was convinced that that is what needed to happen. And he had always been just a a very thoughtful, he's an old man's soul in the body of a 13-year-old. But he's always been that way. And so because of all of those things, we decided to go ahead and step out in faith and do that. And wow, I had no idea. And I could sit here for another hour and talk to you about how God set all of that up and worked through that. But all I will share with you is that as a result of that and the the years that have passed since homeschooling one child that then evolved the next year into six, which evolved then the next year into almost 20, has now accumulated to two private Christian schools that has between three, four hundred in attendance this year. I'm counting my staff. You know, we had no idea back then, but God did, didn't he? Of where we would be now. So I commend your congregation for embarking on this journey. And be encouraged. It is the most beautiful thing that I have ever been a part of. And I am so blessed to say that I'm the executive director of Full Armor Christian Academy, a businesswoman. I've always wanted to be a teacher, but I did dental hygiene because that was a two-year program. (laughs) Education was four, and I wanted to get married to this guy. So, you know, I, I just can't, uh, again, God is just so good to us. So good. And he, he allows those of us who are not qualified. If we're James 4, 6 through 10 is one of my very favorite scriptures in all of his word that talks about, you know, resisting the devil, humbling ourselves, drawing near to the Lord. And he will draw near to us. Wow. What a promise. What a promise. Time and time again. Whenever just that stepping out in faith part is hard. But uh, wow. And here we are. Whether it's, uh, you know, raising your children and your business, place of business in my life. You know, having two of our children walk away from the Lord for a, for a period of time. And seeing God work through that and restoring them back into the fold. Starting a Christian school that is now so far beyond 
what I could have ever even imagined, to sitting here talking to you as my husband serves in the role of government. I don't like to refer to it as politics. A gentleman, a pastor who I watch and admire and have had the wonderful great fortune to be prayed over, Pastor Dutch Sheets, if any of you follow him, give him 15. I'm going to give him a shout out. Because um, he, he, I think it was him that pointed out to us, I did not understand this, but that the word government means Ecclesiastes. That's, that's the church. That's us. That's us. That's why we want to restore government. I don't like to say Darren's in politics. He's part of the movement to restore government in, in Illinois. The last thing I'll close with, moving into that, our our faith is only as big as our God. And I serve a big God. Whenever Darren was serving as a representative on another holiday weekend, that second child of ours, that melancholy boy, we, he's born on Memorial Day weekend. And we were celebrating, and Darren got called into session. And that was so that they could pass the egregious women's health care act. And my husband is a strong man, and I've not seen him cry too many times. But that night, he has a very active social media presence, and he went on after that bill had passed, um, late, 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 I think it was midnight or almost, in front of the Capitol to let the people know what had just taken place. And I had already made plans. Typically, I go to Springfield with him, but there were some things at home that I had not. But I had, I had driven up Saturday. This was on Saturday night with the intentions of just being with him while that was all going down. So when it got actually voted on that night, he did not then have to be called into session on Sunday. And so... We have some very dear friends that um, actually were from our district that were one of the first groups of spirit-filled men that called my husband when he stepped into the position of representative. It may have been when he was in the primary. And asked him to come down to their church. There was just a group, big group of, of men God-fearing men, maybe some women too, because I did not go for some reason or another. And they wanted to pray over him. They wanted to anoint him for this this time in his life. Pastor Mac and his wife, Pastor Jen Dalton, they, interestingly enough, and I, again, do not believe in coincidences, that they began, they had been in Albion, down in our district, serving at the House of Prayer for seven years. And God called them to ministry in Springfield to serve and pastor Radiant Church in Springfield. And he was um, uh, 
what's the right word? You're inaugurated. He would have appointed, installed, yeah. installed <clears throat> the very same week that Darren was inaugurated as representative. So our paths crossed together in Springfield in that way. And he is like Pastor Seif. He's very in tune and very understands the value of the church and government being intertwined. So we showed up Sunday morning after this egregious bill had been passed. Pastor Mac had no idea we were there. No idea. And we sat even in the back because had been a very long night for Darren. He was exhausted mentally, and we wanted to just go in and, and leave. And Pastor Mac preached that morning and spoke about how when our hearts in our physical body, how when the heart is healthy, the whole rest of our body, too, has good health when our hearts are healthy. He said... What is Illinois? What is Illinois called? Illinois is the heartland, heartland of America. Recently, the, one of the chaplains, if there's multiple, a chaplain at the Capitol, we were there for the dedication and the nativity scene, and he and I were visiting, and he showed me, he also, besides being a chaplain, he gives tours in the Capitol, and he showed me a picture on his phone of two, it's a mural that's in the Capitol. I'm also going to tell you this. The Springfield Capitol and the Capitol at Washington, D.C. were also designed and built by the same architect. I think that's very interesting. And there is a mural, and it's an angelic host that represents the West Coast and an angelic host that represents the East Coast. And it's, it is uh, um, brought together by an image. And I can't tell you exactly what the image was, but it was symbolic of Illinois because we are smack dab in the middle of the United States. If you understood the depravity and the magnitude, we marched in Chicago in the streets for life yesterday. The agenda that is trying to take our children in the womb, in the classroom, in this state, it would make us all weak. That knowing full well that we serve a God that is so much bigger than all of that. 2022, Illinois is going to be restored. There is a great awakening happening. I believe it with all of our heart. We get a glimpse of it every day when we are traveling the state. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. We are not giving up the spite. And I will conclude. Can I pray a blessing upon you guys and your congregation? Lord, it is always pure joy 
to be gathered together with other like-minded believers, dear God. Thank you for this body here. Thank you for this beautiful old church. Thank you for those precious children who are dancing in front of me, unashamed. Like Steve said, pure. So pure and innocent. Lord God, give us hearts to love you passionately. That we have a desire, dear God, to be pure and holy and honor you in all that we do. Whether, like Darren mentioned, going to Casey's, the grocery store, raising our children, loving our husbands, loving the unlovable, being prayer warriors, just being committed and intentional, dear God, about our relationship with you first and foremost. I do not, like the, the lady said during the worship, I do not know how you can make it in this day that we're living without a rock-solid, vibrant relationship with you. I looked at the hecklers yesterday as we were walking in the streets of Chicago. I pray, Lord, that we love unashamedly to the unlovable. That our light would be so bright that they would want they would want what we have, and that's your salvation, the hope of heaven someday. Just help us, dear God, through the power of your spirit, to live life that is pleasing unto you. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for everything. That we are a part of and get to be a part of here on this side, Lord. Help us to, to be bold. Help us to be courageous and to stand for truth above all else. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. In Jesus' holy, mighty name, pray blessings upon these people. Thank you for them. Thank you for Pastor Steve and Kay and their friendship and their Uh, hospitality to allow us to be here with them today. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your hospitality. uh, Like I said, we're blessed because we're able to be here because of uh, friends like you and the encouragement. Our three sons, uh, Cindy didn't mention our daughter Abigail. She is co-administer. She keeps full armor going on the administrative side in our absence. So, So we're just blessed because it's always about people. We can't ever forget that. This whole journey, state, our families, it's always about people. But uh, people bring problems and troubles, and, and we have to deal with that. And as Cindy said, we have to, uh, we have to love them. So anyway, I thank, uh, thank you so much for your patience with us, and God bless you guys. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity 
into your finances and also divine health, prospering your body. And all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.